His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And we're back, everybody. Hello. It's no longer spooky month, sadly. I have a voice. You have a voice. I have (laughs) most of one. Yeah. I'm still a little bit snarky, but not nearly as bad as we were previously. Yes. Mm. You okay? Yeah, the congestion is still uh, not great sometimes. I'll fix it in post. No, it's fine. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to not, like, sniff and cough and stuff again i'll fix it i know i know but i feel bad when i do it i know it's because it's amplified kind of yeah yeah no worries all right so we're back it's no longer spooky month although our general aesthetic is spooky year-round yeah so like what everyone else calls halloween decorations i call home decor same i didn't buy very much new this year we got that that countdown thing that we we never put out until after halloween honestly i was buying that for when we have a bigger space anyway fair we currently do not have a place to put things most things Fair. so that was for like our future recording space not current recording space i hope everybody was safe and had fun i ended up having the day off because i had to call in sick because i felt like absolute dog ass and i taught a class because it was a monday yeah that's true so today we are going to be talking about Another, it's like a horror adjacent kind of thing, I feel. So it's really easy to have a horrifying moment in a movie where it's a horror movie. Right, right. You know, you open a door and an arm falls down swinging. Right. Like, ah. But you, and you expect it because it is a horror movie. Right. You signed up for it. Right. You knew what you were getting into. But sometimes you put on something that is ostensibly not a horror movie. Yeah. And there is a moment of just like pure abject terror. And you're just like, what the fuck? (laughs) What the hell is going on? Why is this in this movie? It happens a lot with children's movies. That's actually where most of mine are from. Same. Uh, But there are some adult films that have horror moments and they're not necessarily horror films. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's horror moments and non-horror movies. Yeah. And and again, horror is subjective. So if we name a movie that you consider a horror movie, like... Fair. That's fair. But yeah. these are ones that we, and for the most part, most people don't consider really horror. Fair. All right. Do you want to go first? Well, I want to lead with the uh, one. It's actually a TV series. It's a limited run TV series. Okay. This felt like a fever dream to me because... I didn't think it existed. Like, I didn't actually find the details on it until, like, today. It's one of those ones where it seems like it's a thing that nobody watched except for you, and so you're not sure it ever really happened. Right. Well, plus, I'm pretty sure I saw it when I had strep throat the first time. Oh, so you, like, had a fever anyway. Yes. So you were like, maybe it was literally a fever dream. Possibly. <laughs> okay. So it's a, it's called Chalky. It was a six-part children's TV drama okay. based on... The 1968 novel of the same name by John Wyndham. First was broadcast on ITV back in the January, February time frame of uh, 84. Okay. And then it had two six-part sequels, uh, each episode about 30 minutes long. Okay. So it's, for all intents and purposes, a a children's drama. How is it? Is it spelled like sidewalk chalk? C-H-O-C-K-Y. And what it does is it it basically follows Matthew Gore, who's an intelligent boy, but he gets, like, chosen by this alien visitor. Oh, my God. It's like a telepathic visitor type thing. Yeah. uh, That's just trying to figure out intelligent life on Earth. But the influence that Chalky had on him, like, was improving... You know, his his skills, his his schoolwork was doing better. You know, everything was doing better, you know, becoming more talented in, in uh, his, his stuff. He did like art um, and it was just becoming like a lot more extra. Yeah. So much so that this this school child is drawing the attention of like some powerful groups that want to figure out what what his deal is. Like, honestly, like what fifth grader 
whatever is is going to be like subject of like government you know investigation type deal but i i do want to briefly take a moment and show you the dvd box set cover okay that looks like a promotional video for a cult where they worship a child okay oh yeah that, that's the trilogy <laughs> that, that's um very much along the line of uh, chalky's children because uh, that's that's the the first sequel is chalky's children yeah but like in chalky's children one of he you know, figures out there's something going on and he goes to warn his other friend that knows about Chalky and his friend has disappeared. They've taken her. Uh-huh. So it's like, that's scary. Like, yeah. for me as a child, kidnapping was like one of my biggest fears. Being kidnapped? What did I say? Kidnapping? Well, I mean, I couldn't really do that very effectively either. Right. No, that's why I wanted to clarify <laughs> being kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the act of kidnapping, I thought, was was horrendous. You know, okay. Being, being taken away from the familiar... I had recurring dreams of, uh, who was the one with the gray hair? Not the balding one, but the, the one with the gray hair and the glasses of Siskel and Ebert. Which one are you, which? The one with the gray hair and the glasses. Um, the, that was Ebert. Okay. So Siskel yeah. was the, Siskel was the other one. And Siskel was the one that was kind of balding. Yeah. Okay. That was Gene Siskel. Gene Siskel. Yeah. I had recurring nightmares as a child of Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert kidnapping sl- you? Like sliding a, a van door open and grabbing me off the street as as Gene Siskel was driving and laughing maniacally. Aww. I can't explain it. I don't know why. They've, I've never met either, you know, so... And now you never will. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is children's minds are kind of irrational sometimes, and, yeah. and that was scary. I don't know, there was just something about the whole theme of it terrified me, because there was like this... I remember there was like this like flashing light on the wall, and that was Chalky communicating with Matthew, and it was just... just it was uh, weird, yeah. But like the otherness of like like he was hunted for being othered for being different yeah yeah which is terrifying yeah yeah you don't um, want to be in the gifted program like I was well yeah so I want to bring up the two the two that I can think of that are more grown up horror moments in mm-hmm. as far as the movies go I can talk with authority on one of them because I've seen it I haven't seen the other so one movie that is I would argue for the most plate. For the most part, not necessarily a horror movie is Train Spotting. Ah, uh, yes. But there is a particular moment, and for anyone who hasn't seen Train Spotting, it's it, it's definitely a watch. It is like Ewan McGregor and Ewan Bremner and Johnny Lee Miller and um, Robert Carlyle, and most of them are heroin addicts, I believe. Yeah, Begbie's more alcohol, more alcohol yeah. and fighty, um, fighty fighty but it's it's the the escapades of these guys i think it's i think it's in and around edinburgh yeah yeah it's around edinburgh but you have these moments that are gross but they're not necessarily horrifying like there's the the worst toilet in scotland and yeah um oh uh, i'll do the sheets i'll do the sheets where he's (laughs) where uh spud is shit the bed and is trying to not let anybody know yeah um but there's a particular moment in the film and this is after a baby has died due to neglect. Yeah. Because there's this one couple that lives with, uh, like, Renton and Spud, who they have a small daughter, and she ends up dying again of neglect because they're all high all the time, and they right. just kind of forget that she exists. And it's after that point that Renton decides he's going to get clean and decides to go cold turkey, which you should not do. No. I mean, it, if you need help, get help. But uh, if you if you are if you have some sort of a like if a heroin, crystal meth, like hard drug addiction, and you want to get clean, cold turkey is not the way to do it. From what I understand, <laughs> definitely heroin, just because of the way it it. I mean, I, I'm not speaking from experience, but I'm ex- speaking from people I've known. Yeah, who were like, yeah, no, that that was not. Uh, uh, an easy thing to do even with medical assistance yeah so this is when he's he's quit and he's having like withdrawal and hallucinations he's mm-hmm. locked himself in his room most people who have seen train spotting know this as the dead baby hallucination yeah and it's it's a terrible dead baby puppet it's yeah. not a good puppet but just it's so out of nowhere creepy crawling Crawling on the ceiling crawling on the ceiling it gets to where it's right above him on the bed and he's just screaming and it's like head turns around and then it like drops onto him yeah and you're just like 
you were not expecting that at all. <laughs> no. You know, I mean, I was all there for, you know, choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a fucking family, you know, all that. You know, that was a great monologue. Right. I was not signed up for the... Uh, Dead baby hallucinations. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Uh, which is funny because you can talk to anybody who's watched Train Spotting. It's like, yeah, it's good, but I'm not going to show it to them, you know, my significant other or whatever, because the, you know, the, the thing with the ceiling. The thing, yeah. Like, like everyone has their own code for that one part, or they're like, that's when I go use the restroom, because <laughs> it's it is rough. Yeah. The other one that I would argue, um, I have not seen this movie. I I probably need to at some point. I'd like you to. But I'm just, I'm not, I have not ever yet been in a good enough place mentally that I would subject myself to this. And that is Requiem for a Dream. Oof. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh... I know of various, it's the same, it's the same, um, like, drug abuse, hallucinations, and just like... The horrible things that happen in your life and situations you get put in when you are suffering from some sort of drug addiction, whether it be, you know, again, heroin, cocaine or something like, or even like prescription drug abuse. Well, and not, not all of it is, is uh, hallucination. No, not all of it is hallucinations. Um, but you have seen that yes. movie. Is there a particular moment that you would pick out as a real like horror moment that you're like fuck i did not see that coming i did not expect the um shit it's, it's i haven't seen it since like 2001 or something when did it come out shit late 90s early 2000s i thought 2000 it 2000. came out in 2000 okay so yeah so i must have seen it around 2001 ish because mm-hmm. i know i saw it on dvd so it was probably around 2001 <laughs> what well when you search for a requiem for a dream on google the number one asked question is, why is Requiem for a Dream so hard to watch? If you have to ask why it's hard to watch, then you sit down and watch it again. I believe it's Ellen Burstyn's character. Uh, Sarah? Sarah Goldfarb. She, like, like there's a very surreal moment of a mental break that happens. Um, the refrigerator gets involved and becomes kind of animated. Oh, yeah. And because uh, you've seen a clip of that. I have seen clips. Yes. And uh, she winds up going through electroshock. And really, it was the electroshock that I was not expecting to see being done. Or sorry, uh, I guess it's called uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. I would still call it electroshock. I think it's one of those things where it's not even really done anymore. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right, at least in the U.S. I would hope it's not done for the... The effectiveness of it is questionable, kind of like with lobotomies. I mean, it's got an amazing cast. Um, yeah, Jennifer Connelly, Marlon Wayans, Jared Leto. Christopher McDonald's in Christopher it. Christopher McDonald's in it. I wonder if it's currently available. Keith to, David's in it. To watch anywhere. I love Keith David. Oh, it's currently free on Prime. You want to watch it tonight? Not tonight, I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's now or never, really. I mean. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> Because again, I had to be in a very, I would have to be in a very particular place and I would need some really good aftercare stuff. We've got ice cream. We've got cookies. We, we no, found... I meant like, did like media wise, I need aftercare. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't know how many episodes of Bluey I would need. All of to... them. <laughs> you would need all of them. All right. Because there's, there's parts of that movie that will not wash away from your retinas. No. They, it will live in your head rent-free. I've read the plot summary. I know how it ends. Yeah, but the plot but summary like, doesn't do it justice. S- knowing how it ends and seeing it are probably are, are two wildly different things, I'm sure. Something I've had to learn with Darren Aronofsky films is... Oh, yeah, it is one of his, isn't it? It's more of the experience. Like, I could read you line by line everything that happens. Yeah. You know, all the dialogue, I can describe it to you until you actually experience it. You don't really get the full feel. He, he, That's fair. He makes really good gut punch. Okay. That's cool. That's fair argument. That's a fair argument. All right. So those are the two that I have that are like grown up movies that I could really think of. Because the there's a lot of stuff when you look at non-horror, uh, horror moments and non-horror movies. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I was finding, some of the movies they were using, I was like, well, that kind of straddles the line. Right, like seven, seven's seven. Seven. I I consider seven a horror movie. I consider Event Horizon a horror movie. Yeah. So yeah, but these were these are the two Train Spotting and Requiem for Dream are the two that I was like, those are not horror movies in See, the in the loosest sense of the definition, or in the most most people would not define them as such. Does that make sense? 
Fair. Yeah, I, I, I would say sure. Although I could easily put Requiem probably in the shopping basket for horror and be like, it's it may not be horror to you, but it will shake you. Right. There, I will, and I feel like there's a difference between a horror movie and a movie that is horrifying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because like there are some movies that I would consider like the situations that are happening in them are horrifying, mm-hmm. but I would not consider it a horror movie. The two main examples that I'm thinking of are both movies that relate to the Holocaust. Yeah. And so The Pianist and uh, Schindler's List. There are things that are happening in those movies that are absolutely horrifying. Right. But I wouldn't consider either of those a horror movie. Fair. Fair. All right. I want to tell a fun story about a thing that happens while we were prepping for this episode. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the movies that we have picked, or the moments that we have picked, are from movies that we watched when we were children. Mm -hmm. And David found a copy of the movie that he wanted to talk about or one of the movies he wanted to talk about and bought it for us to watch. Cause I had never heard of it, let alone seen it. Right. It's a little film called Daryl. Yes. And so one Saturday we're, we're doing our episode prep. We have the movie going and he keeps saying, Oh, it's going to get really, when it gets to the kidnapping part, it's going to get real. It, he's like, that's the part that scared me. The kidnapping yeah, part. Well, with the old people, the, with the, the old, old people. Yeah. And so we're watching the movie and it keeps going. And I'm like, have we, have we gotten to the part where it's scary yet? He's like, oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. And I keep asking. I'm like, is this it? No, it's coming up. It's coming up. And then we get to the end credits. <laughs> and I'm like, so what was the scary part? Yeah, there was no old people, like, and, like you know, kidnapping. Uh, no. And that is when he realized that he had bought the completely wrong film. Look. The movie that he was actually... <laughs> After doing some more cursory Googling, the movie that he actually had met to buy was Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> yeah, with Dabney Coleman. With Dabney Coleman and Henry Thomas, a completely different movie from Daryl, because Daryl is a movie about a a kid who is like a computer, basically. Yeah, and played by Barrett Oliver. Yes, the kid from NeverEnding Story. Yeah, he played Bastion. Yes, Cloak and Dagger is about a little boy played by Henry Thomas, who has an imaginary friend who is a spy that also looks just like his dad. And he gets in this like FBI espionage situation that they're both wildly different films. And I just about died laughing when I realized what had happened. I was like, we watched this movie. Like you spent money on this. And it was the completely wrong movie. In fairness, when I was doing my notes while we were watching Daryl, because I was like, look, I had nightmares for years, you know, related to this like elderly couple kidnapping bit. And I was like, let's see if I can find out why I had nightmares about this movie. And I'm, I'm going through. And I'm like, I had breakthroughs during this movie. Yeah. Like I always believed I was a test tube baby when I was little. I mean, a test tube baby is wildly different from a child robot. Look. This is not a small... Test tube babies versus small wonder are very different things. (laughs) I love the fact that while watching Daryl, you about died when you were like, wait a minute, didn't Daryl give the Richardsons like a million dollars? Because he's like... There's a a moment where he hacks the ATM and gives them a million dollars and it never comes up again. (laughs) He also steals an SR-71, so I mean, you know... I'm saying Daryl is like, watch it because it's hilarious in parts, but also it was the completely wrong movie. (laughs) We did end up buying and watching Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. My second to last note was, where are the kidnappers? Did I, did I, did I buy this? Did I buy this one wrong too? No, they're there. No, that was my second to last note for Daryl. I'm like, oh. Like, I was waiting for it to happen. I was waiting for the scene because I remember they were on, like, a bus or a boat or something. And they were seated sideways, so I was I couldn't remember fully because I hadn't seen it since the first time I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, so then I realized that it wasn't Daryl. It was Cloak and Dagger, and, and yeah, that, that happened. Cloak and Dagger, like, gets dark, though. It gets real dark. It's, um, uh, my, my particular, like, what the fuck even is this movie part. Other than the part at the beginning where there is a character running from two giant D20s, there is a part where the imaginary friend gets shot a bunch 
And normally he's fine because he's an imaginary friend. But because the little boy has said, I don't need you anymore. Like the spell is broken and he fucking dies. Yeah. Like blood just starts pouring pouring out of of these bullet wounds. Yes. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like as terrifying and sad as the death of Bing Bong and Inside Out is, this is worse. Yeah. Imagine if Bing Bong got shot a bunch. But, uh, and get, then died. But what about the elderly couple? Like, they were off-putting. They were creepy, but, like... Because all I could remember was elderly couple, and there was something different about the lady's hand. I do, She's, could, like, missing a finger. She's missing two. Oh, she's missing two, two, two fingers. Two fingers, yeah. And, and as soon as I saw them, I, like, seized up a little bit. I was like, uh, uh, yep, this is the right movie. This is This it. is the correct one this time. Hooray! All right, I'm going to mention a couple of characters... For my next few, because these are characters that as a child, the rest of the movies I have are all movies I watched as a kid. Okay. And some of these I have rewatched as an adult and I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And some of them I'm like, why the fuck was I watching this as a child? Why is this a children's movie? I have no idea. See, I can't speak to any of that because I was watching The Exorcist at eight. No, I understand. But I decidedly was not. Correct. You had parental guidance. I had had parental guidance. Yes. It was like, it was not uncommon when we were kids for my parents to like do research on movies mm. to see why they were rated, what they were rated before we watched them. Right. So like, even if there was like a PG-13 movie, mom would ask like coworkers who had already seen it, like, why is it rated PG-13? Could I take my like 12 and 10 year old to see it? Would that be fine? That kind of deal. But you typically don't do that for movies that are rated G or PG because those are typically intended for children. Mm. Or maybe it's a movie that, you know, you watched when you were a kid and you kind of forgot. There's only a, one other movie that comes to mind where I was like, when I watched that in the theaters as a child, I was too young for that movie. Which movie? Willow. Oh my God. I would, what is that movie rated? I'm going to look it up real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. But no, you're fine. Anybody that... who works with me knows I derail everything. So. Okay, that came out in 88. Mm-hmm. It was rated PG. And I tell you what scared the shit out of me with Willow when I was a kid. Mm. And that is they were at this abandoned castle and somebody kicks this like creature thing into some water. And then it turns into this like giant scary as fuck two headed thing. Yeah. 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 I was also quite terrified of when. Oh, God. What the fuck is her name? What the fuck is the character's name? You're going to... God dang it. You're not being helpful, Google. Hang on. Side note. How how cute is Val Kilmer in Willow? Yeah. Those were the days. Bav Morda. Bav Morda is the, is the evil... the yes. The villainous queen sorcerer lady. When she turns everybody into pigs... Yeah. That, was that also scared the shit out of me. In some of her get-ups, she reminded me of a nun, and I was terrified of nuns for a good five, six years after I that. I get that. There's a handful of fantasy movies that came out in like the late 80s, early 90s that have moments like I know I watched them and they have moments where you're like, why am I watching this? Because it's fucking terrifying. Krull is another one mm. that has some really terrifying moments. And the intro to Beastmaster terrified me as a kid. I could see that. Where there's a witch that comes in and like puts this liquid over their throats so that they can't move. Like, from the neck down, they're completely paralyzed. That mm. scared the shit out of me. Topical paralytic. Nice. It, it's some sort of magic. It's when she's taking the, the baby out of the queen's uterus and yeah. transporting it into a cow. Because that's a thing. <laughs> Fantasy movies, everyone. Um, no. <laughs> How did we get on this topic? How uh, did I sidetrack so far? I said Willow. Oh, that's right. You said Willow. Okay. <laughs> I told you. I apologize. I know. No, you're fine. But yeah, no, it's one of the, you don't really look at, if a movie is rated G or PG, you, you assume it's going to be fine for your kid to watch it on their own, for the most part, you would think. Well, I mean, PG technically does mean parental guidance suggested, but it, it doesn't really say why. It doesn't, well, not, it doesn't, that's the thing I like about the rating system now is it actually says why. It's like, this is rated, you know, this for drug use and language and some violence and blah, blah, blah. They didn't used to do that, as far as I can recall actually prefer the way the ESRB does it. How do they do it? I mean, same, but they do video games. Well, yes. But they, like, label it, like, clearly, like, they just got, like, age brackets and stuff. Whereas, yeah, that's fair. Okay. 
So I am going to say the name of the character. Okay. And I know two out of three of these will, will mean something to you. We shall see. Judge Doom. From who? From Roger Rabbit? Yes. He's not terrifying at all until the end. That's the... And that's... Well, here's the thing. He does terrifying things. Specifically the beginning... Like towards the beginning where mm. he demonstrates how dip works. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's pretty... That's... Yeah. I have never cried so hard over a shoe. Mm. Because it's this poor little shoe. He has... Judge Doom has this shit called dip. And I think it's basically like paint thinner. Yeah. And maybe some other things. I don't know exactly. But it completely destroys the tunes. One shoe with extra dip. And he has a, sh- he has a shoe. And it's just this poor little squeaky clown looking shoe. And it's so sweet. And it's terrified. And it's just, he's slowly lowering it into like the, and it starts to like burn like it's being dipped in fucking acid. Yeah. And then it's just gone. Yeah. And it's absolutely terrifying. And then you get to the end and they run over Judge Doom with a steamroller and you're like, okay, fine. He's dead because he looks human. Yeah. But then he gets up. He's like all flat. And it turns out he's a fucking cartoon. And then, like, his eyes turn into daggers. And he's. Just, it, it, and then the, his eyes go spirally. His eyes for go a little spirally bit. for a little while. His he starts voice talking gets really with a high pitched voice. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's when it. That's when it. That affected me more than the uh, librarian. In oh, in Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah, that scared me when I was a little too. But, like, I expected something to scare me in Ghostbusters. Right. Because it's a. It's Ghostbusters. Like, I think you said something about the cab driver scared you. The cab driver terrified me when I was a child. Yeah. yeah. So next, Large Marge. Mm, from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Well, because it's just, it's a jump scare out of nowhere where, like, it, she's telling a scary story mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, she's telling a story basically about herself, if I remember correctly. It's been a minute since I've seen this movie. I just remember she turns to look at Pee-wee and her face just changes. Yeah. And like her eyes get all big and <laughs> but it I feel like especially, you know, if I'm if I'm thinking about, you know, how like okay, for for example, like you have a small child who's always known uh, someone to have a beard and then they see them without the beard. It's a drastic change in in their in their appearance and that's frightening because it's unfamiliar. Yeah. Whereas, but this is like a body horror, like... Right, but it's, it's an like, extreme form of that, I feel. It, it still gets us. It hits us beyond the uncanny valley. Because yeah. it changes from looking like a perfectly normal person to, like, bug eyes. Big t- it's very... Um, yeah. B- very oh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, it's it's it reminds me very much of that. Yeah, now that you showed me the picture, I, I now recall yeah, that I, feeling and the junior mints melting in my pocket. Exactly. So the last real character I have... Oh, Large Marge is from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, for anybody who doesn't I know. I, I couldn't remember if he said it or not. I, I know said, I didn't. Well, I did. Well, good for you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Look, <laughs> our largest demographic is other millennials and Gen Xers. So, like, most of them, I probably... The second I said the word Large Marge, most of them went, oh, my God. <laughs> definitely the Gen Xers. Yeah. I, I can speak on most of us. I am in what I consider, and I, Eliza Schlesinger coined this term, I'm an elder millennial. Yeah. Where, like, I'm just, like, I'm at the, in the beginning of that generational right. chunk. Okay. So I had actually forgotten, because I haven't seen this movie in forever. Have you ever watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang from start to finish? <sighs> I know I've shown you, pic- I know I've shown you segments. At some point. Okay. It was the movie that Dick Van Dyke did after Mary Poppins, Mm. where they were like, hey, you did an accent in Mary Poppins. Could you do one here, too? And he's like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to do that again. But the child catcher, Mm. which because they end up in this like fantasy land kind of deal where there are no children in this town because the people who rule it, they hate children. So they have employed this man called the child catcher. Who goes around and, like, tricks children into getting into his, like... It's a free candy wagon. 
It is. He's like, I've got candy. I've got lollipops. And I've got ice cream. And just all the... And the kids have been warned because the, the two kids that are here are the main character's children. And they have been told you need to stay inside because children disappear around here. And they go out anyway. They're like, we could get some ice cream for our dad. And it's like, no, your dad doesn't want ice cream. He wants you to be fucking safe. This guy's like the inventor of the free candy van. Well, and then because the van is the, the little trolley he's got is very nicely decorated. It looks like a totally normal thing. But the second the kids get close enough, he pushes them inside and the sides come away and it's just like a giant cage. Yeah. And it's, that freaked me out when I was a kid. Again, kid, see, kidnapping's scary. Kidnapping is scary. Being kidnapped would be scary. I haven't been kidnapped, but I would say the act of kidnapping is terrifying to a child. And he has just like this sinister face. Oh, I mean, that didn't change. He always had a sinister face. Right, but like, I don't know. Did you want to go into another one of yours? I have like three more, I think. Wait, yeah, I have three. <sighs> I didn't know how many we were supposed to get. Uh, I so just I'm picked, thinking of yeah. some other, like Willow came off the top of my head. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. I mean... These weird I, dog rat things that were chasing Alora Dannon. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think the Dark Crystal was necessarily meant to be horror. The fucking Skeksis. But the Skeksis, I know, were terrifying to a lot of people. I found them fascinating, but I know a lot of people found them When they scary. strip that one of all its clothes. Right, yeah, kind of like an ultimate demotion. I, Labyrinth has also has gotten me. In particular... Really? Yes. In particular, there are, these, there are these orange bird things. So I had not seen Labyrinth for a very long time. And so I watched it... Uh, it's been a few years since I have watched it, but um, I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. And I had completely forgotten about these weird orange birds that can like remove their limbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find what they're called. I can't find what they're called. The Fire Gang. I think that's it. Me these? Too. Yes, those. Fuck those things. They're fucking terrifying. Like I was watching this as an adult. And I'm pretty sure I messaged uh, Kelsey to be like, what the fuck are these things? Yeah, like, the, what is going on? The fireies. Yeah. Yeah. They're like ripping off their own heads and tossing them around. It's It freaked me the fuck out, even as an adult. That's the thing with Jim. Some of Jim Henson's stuff really towed the line. You know what I mean? Well, I mean. Between. At, at, what, point, yeah. at what point do you stop with the Sesame Street and move on to the... I mean, some of the stuff that was done with, with Labyrinth and with other Jim Henson projects wasn't that far off from things that were used in The Thing and, and right. other practical effects and, and uh, functional pieces or, or you know, human-powered pieces, things like that. Mm -hmm. I rewatched NeverEnding Story recently, yeah. thinking there were some horror moments, but there aren't really. Yeah, like the nothing is scary to me until I see it. And then I go, oh, yeah, that. It's more depressing than anything, especially the Swamp of Sadness. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the Swamp of Sadness. No, I don't want to talk about that. Although I do love Falcor. I love Falcor's attitude. Falcor creeped me out when I was a kid. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. But like, I have a pain memory associated with Neverending Story. Mm. So I don't know if I've ever told this story. I know I've told it to you, but I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast. When I was like five or six... I went home from school with my friend Cassie. Her mom and my mom had been friends since high school. And they had just gotten new siding on their trailer. And there was some sort of like, my mom calls it a strong wind, says it was a strong windstorm. I'm curious if it was actually like a lower grade tornado or something. Basically, it ripped the siding off of the, the new siding off the trailer. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it ripped all the... Not all of it. So Aunt Gemma, because that's what I called her, was Aunt Gemma, mm -hmm. asked her two kids and myself, basically, this, this whatever happened we, was basically over, or was over, they thought it was, I don't know. So while she and a neighbor were assessing the damage, Cassie and Jason and I were tasked with picking up the pieces so they could be put back on the trailer. And I went to go help Jason with a piece and I grabbed it and then the wind kicked back up and it was basically ripped out of my hands and I sliced me in the face from the middle of my left eye up down the side of my nose and 
like over my cheek. Mm-hmm. And this was before 911 was available everywhere in the US, mm-hmm. when if you were in a tinier area, you still didn't have it. Right. And so Gemma also didn't have a vehicle to get me somewhere. So I had to basically sit on her couch and wait for my mom to come get me. And so the whole time I'm sitting there, I have a wet washcloth over my face and she put on the never ending story. So for the longest time, I associated that movie with that pain memory of basically holding my face together (laughs) with a washcloth. Well, you and whoever worked on you did well because you look great. So Yeah, you can't even, there's like a tiny little scar. Yeah. Part of that is down to my parents, who I know my dad specifically got those vitamin E mm-hmm. gel, like little gels, and would like poke a hole in them and put some of the vitamin E gel on my healing tissue. Mm-hmm. I, the other thing I remember from that is my dad had to take pictures of my face to send in for insurance. Right. And because I was like five or six years old, I kept smiling because when you're a kid, you, you're told to smile for pictures. <laughs> so I'm standing in front of the refrigerator and I'm, I keep smiling. And he's like, Tia, you need to stop smiling. You're hurt. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> I would love to see those pictures. I'm sure my dad has a negative somewhere because yeah. that's the kind of person my dad is. He keeps everything as far as like negatives and documentations and stuff like that goes. OK, back to my actual list. The boat ride from Willy Wonka. Really? No, it's the, it's so, it, it comes out of nowhere. It's psychedelic like, and it's, it actually picks up the story for me. To I me. know there's, I know there has just been like a supposed, like not a child murder, but like definitely some bad shit happened to Augustus Gloop and they get in this fucking boat and everything seems fine and it's a really pretty little boat, but then there's just like carcasses and centipedes and just like, Gene Wilder just starts reciting this poem and then starts screaming. We'll rewatch it and you'll see (laughs) what I mean when I say, because imagine, well, actually, again, I can't because you as a small child were watching The Exorcist. I was going to be like, imagine being six and watching this. I mean, that was, that was, that was ghoulies territory. That was, you know. That's the thing. We have such a. (laughs) Nine, seven, six evil. There's such a disparate. (laughs) Gates of hell, you know. I'm just saying that would not be in a child's movie today. Uh, yeah, probably not. There's no way. Like, I question how Coraline even got made. Yeah, that's that's got some... You can stay here forever, but we're going to replace your eyes with buttons. And then the other mother turns into, like, a giant fucking spider. Yeah, that's a big nope for me. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's a rolled up newspaper event. Yeah. Another one that really got me a lot as a kid. There are parts of this movie that are beautiful. It's well animated. It tells the the story is very good. And there are parts that are very sweet. But um, there are are also parts that are absolutely fucking terrifying. And that is the secret of Nim. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. One part that always got me as a kid was when uh, she goes to see the great owl. Mm -hmm. Because when she goes in, she's initially being like, you know, hmm. Hang on. There you go. Get my feet off the floor. You know how I am with spiders. Yes. And Miss Brisby is this little field mouse who's going to see this owl to try and find help for her son who is sick. Right. And she is like in his home and there's like cobwebs and stuff everywhere. And then she starts being chased by this giant fucking spider that now that I think about it, reminds me very much of the giant spider from the video game Limbo. Okay. And then just like all of a sudden, Great Owl's claw comes out of fucking nowhere and just crushes the spider. It's so freaky. And it, I, mm, sorry, I'm thinking about it because you hear the crunch yeah. of the carapace of this spider. And it's just like the leg is twitching. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really trying. It's Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to play it too cool for school. I'm I'm trying to be empathetic, but what? No, go ahead and say your piece, bitch. I I did. I'm just like okay. I mean, like the whole thing with Willy Wonka. To me, I didn't find anything scary about it at all. But that's me. That's we have our own flavors and our our, our own things that we find particularly crunchy when it comes to horror. I'm just saying, man. Just just look at this. Look at this bitch. Look at him. Yeah. 
It's a big old owl. I mean, I there were parts of uh, Fantasia that were kind of scary. I Yeah, Night on Bald Mountain did scare me when I was younger. But now I just look at it and I was like, that's fucking cool. So one of my other ones, one of the other movies that I have on my list, there are several moments that I had completely forgotten about. And I don't think you had ever, did we establish you had never seen The Brave Little Toaster before? Correct. I had not seen it until you showed it to me. Okay. I generally try not to watch appliance films. What? How many appliance films are there, dear? Uh, Besides The Mangler, how many films are there about appliances? Well, if you if you say appliances and furniture, then I have to go back on my statement. Because Deathbed, The Bed That Eats was... Thank you. Fair. So I, I remember prefacing this movie by saying that there were several terrifying moments and i was even talking to a friend about it and they were like well what's terrifying about the brave little toaster other than there is one specific moment that i know most people know remember if you've seen the brave little toaster you know what i'm talking about and that is toaster's dream because the whole thing with this movie is there are these i guess we could say appliances that's the best way to to quantify it that some of several of which would now have to be explained um like an electric blanket would have to be explained yeah, it was a blanket you plug in to get hot. And it had like a dial. Usually an orange glowing light. They, I think, I know we had one when I was a kid and there was at one point they got recalled because they all had like copper, like they all had wiring in them basically. That was how the heating part worked. Yeah, it was a healing, basically heating element running all back and forth through the blanket. That's how it got hot. Yeah, and there were fires and stuff that happened, so they got recalled. So technically, if you laid on one and then had one on top of you, like I've done before Mm -hmm. when I was little, I like to think of myself as being in a toaster. Yeah. You're actually not supposed to, even modern heating pads, you're not supposed to lay on them. Like the one that I have for like cramps and stuff, Uh you're not supposed to lay on that. You're supposed to put it like on top of you. Yeah. But they all are in like this family's summer house. Mm Mm-hmm. There's Kirby, who is a vacuum cleaner because there used to be a vacuum cleaner brand called Kirby. Pretty sure there still is. Is there still? My parents, our vacuum cleaner growing up, I think they still have it. It's a Kirby vacuum. But then there's the toaster. There's Blanket, who is an electric blanket. There's the lamp. And then there's a radio. And their whole thing is they are waiting for the little boy who is part of this family to come back. And Toaster has this dream where the the little boy has come back. They call him the master. And he's making toast. And then he gets dragged away by like smoke. And then this nightmare clown dressed as a fireman pops up out of the fire like he's rising out of hell and has like these big yellow teeth. And it's just the most sinister cartoon clown you have probably ever seen in your fucking life. Yeah, it was fantastic, even for a clown. I didn't like the fact that he was a clown, but it yeah. was an exciting part of the movie. And he's holding a, a fire hose and he looks at Toaster and he just whispers, The smoke that billows out through. Oh that my was so God. beautifully animated. And he starts like shooting water at him and then the water turns into forks. And then. For some reason. Well, because the whole thing is sticking a fork in a toaster. Right. Was a thing that people used to do that you're really not supposed to. You still shouldn't do you it. You still shouldn't do it. But I think people now know it's more obvious not to do it. You don't stick utensils in a toaster. And it, just that fucking clown is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. See, here I thought you As far as animated films. No, there's. I had forgotten that a fucking air conditioner commits suicide. There is one suicide and one attempted suicide of appliances in this movie, y'all. <laughs> so there's the, there's the air conditioning unit who the rest of the the rest of the group is giving it a hard time because they're like you're just jealous because master never played with you and he like has this mental breakdown here where he's like it's not my fault he wasn't tall enough to reach my knobs and buttons it's not my fault i'm stuck in this damn wall well he doesn't say damn because it's a g-rated movie he's like and he just starts like basically going into like overheating mode it reminds me of that scene from office space uh where the the guy from hr He's like, I'm good with people. I have people skills. <laughs> yeah. But he's like banging himself back and forth, trying to break out of the wall. And then he just kind of explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he gets better. Well, yeah. and But then there's like a point later on where Kirby tries to eat his own cord. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what is happening? I had forgotten those two moments. There's another moment that scared me that now as a horror fan, I'm like, this is a baller fucking scene. And it's when they're in a... Uh, 
a repair shop where oh, this yeah. guy basically makes like combination appliances and like does it like rips things apart to sell yeah. yeah he's a tinker he also will like oh you need a motor i'll go rip it out of one of these things so it's basically to the appliances that he's a murderer but <laughs> but they perform this really great song that is like about like b horror movies and how they're they're in a horror show now and again, as a kid, it scared me. But as an adult, when we were watching this movie, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. The other one that's really bad is the, the scene at the at the trash yard. Yeah, that magnet gave absolute zero fucks about anything. Well, and it's the song that the cars... Because the, the appliances eventually end up at a dump where it's mostly cars. And the cars are all singing about... It's the most depressing song in the world because they're all singing about like the journeys that they took before they became useless. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the hook of the song is we're helpless. And I'm just like, this is so depressing. Yeah. Why did I watch this movie so much as a child? Why was I allowed to watch it? I have no idea. Like, I have to think that my parents at one point watched this with me and were both like, one of them had to have been like, well, this is kind of fucked up, right? Like, I, I have to think that that's what happens. <laughs> I don't know for sure, though. But I, it's one of those, I didn't even go into any Disney movies and some of the fucked up shit that happens in those. That's, I, I think that's something for a different episode. That's a whole episode on its own. Oh, yeah. You've got the really early Disney movies where stuff is real fucked up. And then there's there's Clayton's death in Tarzan where you see his hanging body. Nice little snap. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Jesus. And it's all the... The skull in Gaston's eye before he gets thrown off the roof of the castle. Oh my god. Why were we watching these? <laughs> you know, because because I I feel like some of these things just get thrown in to say, well, we gotta catch we gotta catch somebody's eye. And, yeah. And uh, get somebody's attention. I don't know. I know there was one we were talking about earlier today. Wasn't Watership Down? Oh yeah. Oh look, it's an animated <laughs> film with bunnies. It's got rabbits, that'll be fine. No, it is not fine. We'll, it's we'll not go ahead fine put, at all. We'll put the kids in the living room. We'll start this bunny movie. Um, you know, it looks like Velveteen Rabbit, sure. Oh, God, what was that? Oh, Velveteen Rabbit is a whole other thing. Jesus. Well, yeah, Velveteen Rabbit was kind of rough, too, but, you know. The Plague Dogs, that's the other one I was thinking about. Mm. Yeah, also, just don't assume animation is going to be, like, Saturday morning cartoons. And even some of those were kind of rough, too. Well, that's the thing. If you really look at, like... The 80s in particular was like that peak time of children's animation that really, when you look back on it, was pretty fucked up and we probably shouldn't have been watching it because you've got stuff like, you know, the Plague Dogs and Brave Little Toaster, Watership Down, Secret of Nim, things that were actually pretty terrifying. Ferngully is another one that comes to mind. I mean, hell, there was shit on G.I. Joe that was kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, there was an episode of... Uh, Captain Planet. Mm. Do you remember the drugs episode? Which one? There was one where Lita ended up on, on and they basically turned people into zombies. Oof. That was another thing about the 80s is the there was a prevalence of a perfectly good television show that was normal 99.9% of the time. But once or twice a year, they would do a very special episode oh God. that was essentially just fear mongering. And yeah, sometimes it was stuff you needed to know. But other times you were like... Like the punky Brewster getting stuck in a fridge. Yeah, but like, okay, in my lifetime, I have never played around an empty fridge. Neither have I. However, I have known plenty of people and been in situations where we were approached by bicycle men. Yes. You know, so. That, yes. So, I mean, you know what? You may not experience the punky Brewster episode, but you might get the different strokes episode. Yeah. That's two different strokes episodes, or two different strokes references in two days for me on a mic. Because yesterday I mentioned Todd Bridges out of nowhere, just apropos of nothing. That's fair. Okay. I think we're good. I think I, think I am suitably... I think I've tortured myself enough. I think you've tortured yourself plenty. And this is one where we'll be able to come back to it. I didn't even... There are movies that I haven't watched in a very long time that I'm. if I had gone back and rewatched, I could probably find more horror moments. But I was like, you know what? These are the basic ones that most people I feel like will know. I'm sure if I went back and watched the Care Bears movie... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll save that for the next episode. For the next time we do this. Yeah, because this is there's so much and we, we barely scratched the surface, I feel. Yeah. All right. So as always, you can uh, find us on our social medias. We're 
for the time being, we are sticking with Twitter. There aren't really a whole lot of other options, Mm -hmm. really, so to speak. In as far as like networking and connecting with people, we don't have a whole lot of options, unfortunately. Um, But we'll see what happens with that whole situation. Um, So for the time being, you can still find us on Facebook and Twitter via our website. We are uh, h2horrorcast.com. There's also a link there to our Patreon. We are patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. That dollar goes towards uh, new equipment, um, buying movies when we can't find them in one of the many streaming services that we have access to. If you are uh, already a patron or unable to be a patron for whatever reason, we totally get it. Uh, you can support us by rating and reviewing us on whatever platform you use to listen to us that allows it. I know Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify has a rating system now also. So mm-hmm. yeah. And just like word of mouth, if you want if you want to recommend us to a friend, that would also be cool. We are working on getting the first episode of our second show to put together. Once we're ready to release that, we will let you all know. It is going to be more family friendly. I will not be swearing. <laughs> neither, neither will I. Yeah. Well, you don't really swear as much as I do anyway. I usually just throw, which is weird because I was the sailor, but I throw mine in, you know, look, we went through, we went through this whole training called, called profanity is not leadership language. And it kind of stuck because we were all joking about it. Yeah. But fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly all right but yeah we'll let you all know when that's uh when that's going up uh it's gonna be like a once a month thing so yeah but yeah family friendly no swearing so until next time i'm tia and i'm still david and stay spooky friends but music for this episode is save us now by shane ivers our artwork is by katherine nixon